At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. This is WOMMLP operating out of Burlington, Vermont 105.9, the radiator is a rocket shop. I'm your host, Tom Proxer, and with me tonight is Lazy Bird. Hello. Hello. Uh, how are we all doing this evening? We're good. How are you? Uh, wow. Pretty good. This is actually the most we've had on as a band in a, in a, in a few weeks, at the very least. Um, excited to hear you play. We like kicking it off with a song, so what have you got to start us with? Well, this is a song. <clears throat> are we doing Forbidden Sun? Yeah. All right, this is a song called Forbidden Sun. Let me take you there To the land of the forbidden sun 
Forbidden Sun. So uh, let's get started with how you guys got together. So I understand this is a pandemic band. So yeah. how, how did this, this whole setup kind of uh, come to be? So it's a really uh, funny story. Um, so over the pandemic, I was um, going to see a band one night at Orlando's in town. It was a band, Chris, and I met Tom at that show. And we ended up going over to the owner of or the Orlando's bar Ryan Dempsey, who's a keyboardist to Twiddle, we went over his house after to see this band again play. And that's how Tom and I met. And I met Matt online. And we started jamming with a group of like us and some members of Chris. And Ryan Dempsey would be there from Twiddle sometimes. And that like started a, we were just jamming on campus and people would come out outside or what, we'd play in a common room during the pandemic but really just playing music because it was the only place we could, you know? And then we met Asa and Cal. Um, we met Asa and Cal this year. Um, you know, like, the first, and it's been a little, it's been really weird this year playing, like, shows uh, because, like, last, last year there was just nothing. You know, there was just, like, and if we wanted to play a show, it would be, like, we can set up in our common room or set up outside our dorm and just play, you know? But we don't really know if anything's going to happen. You know, now we can actually play shows yeah yeah so when was that kind of uh moment where you went from just kind of some some guys jamming with some other guys to actually having a cohesive unit and and practicing together and then really from that moment then starting to book actual gigs so so what happened there it was uh 
Jackson and I were writing a few songs, and we were like, we should get some people to play these songs. Um, and so we, we filmed that, a video of that song, Forbidden Sun, in Jackson's dorm room last year. Um, and then over the summer, played a couple gigs, but we're all over the East Coast, so it was hard. Um, and then this fall, it really kind of took hold. Yeah, I think it was the first night we got back to campus. Like, so you know, it's coming back up. It was like the day before classes or something. We had a show that night on campus, and it was like, it was just crazy because we had just come all together. You know, met back up after the summer. We had a show on campus that night, and that well, it was off campus. It was at some like a basement party, and that was like a solidifying moment. Is like, three hundred people came out or something. You know, and we were psyched, and we were like, "This is something we can we can do." You know, so that was your first gig, so mm. a, a basement show, but with three hundred people there. Yeah, back in Burlington. Yeah, yeah, our first real show. What was that feeling like? Have, have any of you played in bands before and kind of had that experience of playing to that many people? Yeah, so Asa plays the band Moon Dogs, um, and Cal Cal's played his whole life in different jazz groups, and so is Matt. Um, Tom, you you haven't have you played in another band? Tom had like a, I had high school bands too, but like you know this nothing. This feels a little different. It feels yeah. 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 Same here. I used to. Do, I was just in the open mic scene. Yeah. Yeah. Was this was this the biggest gig you'd all played to, or with like a you know jazz group and uh, and other bands? Have you if you had gigs with, you know, hundreds of people before? Probably at, at that point that was the biggest thing we've done. Yeah, like it's had a snowballing effect for a little while. I think we hit the biggest. Um, show we played was in the backyard. We had about a thousand people. Us, we estimated to be in that backyard, which was really crazy. Yeah, that must have been a big backyard. N not really though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's the crazy thing is like the coming back the morning after we were seeing all the surfaces that people were trying to stand on. Yeah. You know, and it was like the fire pit. People just stood all over. You know, and like everything was just trashed. Is it primarily, uh, have you got an audience that are mostly other UVM kids, or are you kind of drawing from the rest of the kind of the Burlington Jam community and getting other, other people who are going out to watch, you know, the Grateful Dead couple bands and the yeah. uh, Twiddle and whatnot? We definitely started, um, started the semester off with more of a UVM crowd, and we're slowly moving into the, the bar scene. And, uh, we played at Nectar's a few weeks ago. We're playing at Higher Ground in a couple weeks, so we, we hope to get some local older fans as well. Yeah, and so as students, university students yourselves, uh, I'm guessing you kind of all from around the East Coast, maybe some of you are further afield. Uh, what is it about Burlington specifically that makes jam music? Why is jam music so ubiquitous here? Uh, barring the fish influence, obviously fish around in the 90s, I was 30 years ago now, but this this kind of trend remains. I've been here for six years now and People were loving jam bands when I got here. People are loving jam bands now. What what is it about Burlington that kind of attracts jam music? Um, I I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, just jam music as a whole, but I think Burlington's a very musical town. You know, very, very like an artistic town. And it's one thing that I've moving here from New Hampshire, which isn't too far away. But one thing I've noticed is that people here are just very friendly and very nice. And I don't know, like. What makes people into jam, like the jam band, besides Fish being from here, I really think it might just be Fish being, because that's why yeah. I came here. I, mean, <laughs> I came to college because here, because Fish, your Fish started here, you know? And I, like, there's, I, 
and don't get me wrong, I mean, I went to my university town because Arctic Monkeys came from there, but I mean, that lease was like two or three years past they got big. You know, yeah. fish got big 30 years ago. It, it feels like the, there must be something else in the water or something else, something like yeah. that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? it's a legacy. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people here are still listening to fish and still, like, you know, inspired by it, you know, even though it was 30 years ago, they're still playing. I just paid $40 for a stream on Sunday, <laughs> you know, to watch them play. So that's another question of mine. Um, I mean, we, we interview all sorts of bands here, and you're very right. Burlington's got a great musical scene, spans multiple genres. But I, I don't meet um, people around here that spend $40 on a live stream for, a, for, for watching, you know, a, a fish gig. Um, I don't see people kind of follow a genre of music with that kind of intensity as the jam music scene. Um, can't say I'm a big jam person myself, so as an outsider, it seems it, it's something that I don't really know about. I can't understand the culture of. Tom's going to speak on this. Yeah, one, please Tom. do. Uh, uh, I guess I was just going to say it's the, the whole live experience. It's the whole like, you know, fish could play the same song you know, 40 times, and they've played some of those songs hundreds of times. But the fans expect that they're going to get something new and different each time. Like, they're going to bring the jam somewhere else. And there's, like, even classifications, like, type one and two jams. And yeah. You know, like, just different, like, you know, it's all just, it's a, it's a, it's a rabbit hole and a hat. But, yeah, it's, I think it's a, the live music aspect. Is there any other genres you feel this kind of can apply to? Jazz, jazz. definitely. Just jazz. I think, like, jam bands are just, like, jazz with, with blues language. It's like, it's like improv music with language rather than like streaming like modal stuff yeah so. alright well I'd love to hear another song so what have you guys got for us what do we got next man this is an original called Three Diamonds
Lazy bed. So uh, it seems that you guys have kind of got a, a meteoric a rise to fame, at least in Burlington so far. You know, 300 people at your first gig, 1,000 people in the back garden. Uh, it would suggest that you've got a little bit of momentum. Usually at this point, a lot of people go to the studio. Uh, so what's what's the plans on uh, on getting something recorded? Uh, we are going to the studio right now. Uh, we're working with Rose Gold Studios. Uh, his name is Phil. And he's out near Stowe, Vermont, and he's just like, he's great. We're recording songs. We just got a mix back, actually, last night. And um, we're trying to release music as soon as possible. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult being students, all of us, because we're trying to balance the band, the school, and then recording an album on the weekends. So we've gotten in a few times, and we've, we have a few dates lined up for the next month. So we're super excited to get yeah. a single out in the next month, and then an album following that. Yeah. Um, and did you kind of take the first 10, 12 songs that you've written and just gone for it? Or has there been a case of you've got a huge backlog of songs and it's a really difficult thing to choose which ones to put on the record? Oh, we don't have that many songs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we, so the thing is, is, most of the songs that we've written, we just, they're keepers. You know, because if we, if we don't write us, if we were writing a song and it's not good, then we'll just either, it'll fade out, we'll forget it because no one wants to play it. So the songs that we know are the songs that I guess we liked, you know, when we were playing. We have like a, a lineup of six or seven that we want to include on the album. Yeah, yeah. There's like a bunch of ideas that I think we've had that have just kind of faded out and not really turned into anything. Yeah. But as far as our songs go, I think the ones that we've fully developed, we've kept, you know. So this is, a, this is another question I've been begging to ask a, a jam band, is how do you decide the, the version that you're recording is the version? Because you guys play a different version, I'm assuming, of most songs, most times you play. Mm -hmm. So how do you decide which one is the one you record? That's, that's a hard part about being in the studio, because we spent three hours and we took a bunch of different takes of the same song, and they were all good, but they're all different, and it's like, what do we choose? And it kind of comes down to like simplifying it enough where we would feel good putting it out on the radio. Um, and like with that comes kind of oversimplification. Oversimpli so like we, we aren't playing what we would play live, but that's also an aspect of like recording for, for the radio or for Spotify or iTunes. Yeah, we're not gonna have a 20 minute solo section on Apple Music or Spotify, you know, because because that's not what people, you know, are going to be listening for when they pull up, they pull us up for the first time. They want to hear, you know, like a three and a half minute song that represents us well. It's all compact and put together, you know. 
Who do you? How do you choose which of you gets the one solo then, or the the two short solos for Democracy. for anyone? Democracy. Yeah. We asked around. We li- we Whoever did that like five it. minutes before we were playing. We're like, all right, who's soloing on it these? It changes every night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's not a dictatorship. There's not one of you saying, all right, this time keys, this time sax. We no. try not to. <laughs> we try not to. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's good. Democracy is a is a is a good way to go about this, I'm sure, because it stops stops arguments. Um, so, um, yeah, you, you've gone into the studio, but in terms of like actually writing a jam song, or a song, what's, what elements are you bringing into this in terms of lyrics or direction? Or what's, is there a general theme to the, to the, to the record that you're coming out with, with like uh, overarching kind of a, a narrative arc? Or, or are you kind of just writing whatever you're feeling like in that moment? I definitely say we're inspired by the same genres like over and over again, but that list of genres is increasing every day. Mm-hmm. So definitely like funk, reggae, blues, and then definitely like rock in general, but mm-hmm. it's, it just kind of comes as we write songs. It's not necessarily a, a, a certain genre per album or per Yeah. Genre. I mean, lyrically though, is there any kind of particular direction you're going in? No. No, there's no, 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 like, we, our lyrics are, the funny thing is, is, um, I was talking with someone about lyrics, uh, and they were telling me, they were like, you know, it seems like, it seems like a lot of people read in the lyrics so much, and then they have the, all these different meanings for the songs that they listen to, but then when you take those lyrics, like, and you lay them out, they're like, oh, this doesn't really, like, mean much, or this is either really, like, really deep, or it's just kind of just, they're just writing down rhymes, and I guess, like, we just kind of write lyrics and leave them up for interpretation, you a know? Lot, a lot of our songwriting process happened last spring, and it was Jackson and I in the basement of our dorm, and he would just kind of say a line, sing it back. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so really, uh, the, when it comes to lyrics, you're really kind of going for the phonics of it rather than any deeper meaning about, you know, how you're feeling, or emotions, or what the life is like outside right now. Or yeah, like I mean... That. You know, you never know. I mean, like, I, I I'm left interpret interpreting the lyrics as much as anyone else's. Uh-huh, you okay. know, so I guess it could be, but you don't really know. I mean, it's just words that come to your brain, and they could have meaning. Uh, the friend you were having a conversation with was he was he talking specifically about uh, jam band lyrics, or was it lyrics for large? Oh, we were talking specifically about Nirvana, and we were talking okay. about how like people think about Kurt Cobain's lyrics as like he's a genius, but then you think about some of his songs, and you're like, oh well. You know, maybe that's not the most complex thing. Maybe sometimes it's, it's just, you know, simple. You know, it's simple and it's just simple rhymes that that people love and that people will read into, you know, and they'll mm-hmm. think like, oh, this is mysterious. What does this mean? But it could just be a simple rhyme. I often talk to bands who talk to me about how a lot of the times they write and then what they play is this kind of therapeutic in a way that they're they're trying to convey an emotion and trying to convey a feeling not just in what they're the lyrics are saying, but also the the manner of which that they're playing their instrument or they're composing uh, the band around them. Uh, is that the same for jam bands? If you're going for a dark patch collectively, or one of you going for a dark patch, do you find you you're playing differently, or, or on the opposite end, if you're having a particularly elated moment, if you, if you just had a thousand person uh, a gig outside, is the next time you play you, you're playing with a lot more oomph and a lot more kind of uh, positive emotion? Yeah, I think. That definitely has an impact um, with like, with yeah, 
energy. It has to do with energy. Um, but with songwriting, I was going to say, I don't know if we've been a band long enough to go through those those dark and, and happy stages. But yeah, we're kind of we're kind of just starting off, you know. Which means you've been humans long enough to go through these oh, moments. Oh yeah, so. been humans. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe it's most of us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about Tom. <laughs> Um, well, I'd love to hear another song, so what have you got for us? Uh, this one's called The Camel.
camel there by Lazy Bird. Any chance named after Camel's Hump, or is that just uh, is that just wishful thinking? Yeah, it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> was it a f fateful afternoon hike up there, and you inspired to write a song, or you just kind of look out your window, and there it was? We were looking out our window. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got a good view of Camel's Hump. Yeah. Oh, it's a great mountain. Yeah. Uh, is there, if, do you have a, a Mount Mansfield one in your repertoire as well to keep it even? <laughs> no. no? No? All right. That's, that's <laughs> I, I thought the laugh was going to be accompanied by an absolute yes, and this is our <laughs> next song. Um, so you guys seem to have the uh, social media game down pat. Um, I'm assuming this because you're all uh, students. Um, but is that something that's really quite important in order to kind of build your fan base these days? Especially on campus, it's it's easy to spread news of shows of whatever we're doing on campus, and Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, all of it, and that's definitely helped us in getting kids to our shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I feel <coughs> posters still work. You know, you can still hang up posters everywhere, and you'll get people out to your show. But Instagram's free, you know, and it doesn't cost any money to print posters, and it's no effort. You just put it up once. And yeah, we've had our best turnouts have been because of you know social media. Who's the social media guy on, on the team? Uh, Matt and I. Yeah. 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 And we have a friend Finton who also has access to our account. We don't, he doesn't really do much, but. <laughs> <laughs> How did he get special his access? Did did you uh, did he say you were going to help you out one day and? Yeah, he I, nice yeah, he helped keys. me out with a lot of homework. Okay. <laughs> and he wanted access to the account. So now he gets to read the DMs. Yeah, he gets. He sometimes he replies to them too. Uh, that's that. He's my neighbors. He so if anything happens, he's just right down the hall. Right, right there we go. Well, one you got a patsy, you know, a scapegoat in case you do something terrible. Yeah, just say it's fainted. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you've been playing, as you said, you've been doing a couple of bar gigs. Uh, probably still, I'm guessing, playing the odd basement show. Uh, it's getting a bit too cold for the the outdoor garden parties, although there was a, a few good gigs kicking around this Halloween weekend. Um, what have you got coming up? And also, do you prefer playing more DIY shows versus like your likes and actors, or, or are you kind of more kind of, you, you down for those uh, bar gigs? I think we like the different different venues for different reasons. Like the, the basements and backyards are fun because the crowd is always energetic and like, yeah, very yeah. intimate. Um, but at the same time, playing at Nectar's was great. We got to use all their great gear, and it was just like a much more professional experience. There's a green room and stuff. There's a green room. There's the sound guy, and we don't have to worry about lugging as much gear up. Yeah, there was there was a funny thing that happened at one of our backyard shows. You know, it's DIY. We love it, but like we had everything running off of this one power strip, and it kept on getting unplugged like every five minutes. And so like all the lights and all the sound would just stop every like five minutes because someone would step on it. You know? So we don't get stuff like that when no. we in actual venues, but yeah. it is fun to, to play the backyards. And the kind of mixture of the two would be the Swan Dojo, which you yeah, guys played exactly. a few yeah. weeks ago, which I, I've been to, I think every time I've been there, they've had some kind of sound issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how was that gig? It was good. It was actually a lot of fun, and we're going back there this Friday to play with a bunch of good bands. Rose McCann Band. Ursa and the Major Key and Sunchild, right? Well, that's a, that's a quite a lineup. Eh? It, how long is this gig going on for? I think it's going to go from 7 p.m. to midnight, probably. 11.30, midnight. Wow. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of unknown. Yeah, yeah it's uh, <laughs> to whether the cops come and, uh, and start yeah, turning people out of Swarm Dojo again. 
Um, I, I do love that venue, but it's uh, it it definitely fits in that middle ground between DIY mm-hmm. and in an actual yeah. actual venue. Um, you say you're playing higher ground uh, in the next few weeks. Tell yeah, me a little yeah. bit about that. How do you manage to book that gig? Um, there's a jazz fusion guitarist from Brooklyn. His name's Shub Saran, and he reached out to us over Instagram. Um, that's another plus of social media. There's a bunch of musicians on it, and they reach out, and it's great. Yeah. Um, but he asked us to open a, open up for him on November 17th at Higher Ground in the Showcase Lounge. Yeah. So we'll be there. We're super excited. Yeah. Um, we got some other gigs. We have Swan Dojo this Friday, like we said. Uh, Orlando's well, on next Friday. Yeah, on November 12th, we're playing Orlando's. Back where it all began. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and then do we have any other shows booked out right now? I don't, I don't believe so. Yeah. And are you peppering this in with other kind of basement shows and backyard shows, or are you kind of more focused on the on the venues? Yeah. Right now, we're more focused on the venues just because it's like, you know, it's achievable. Because you know, a few months ago, venues weren't achievable. Mm-hmm. We reached out. We've reached out to many, and they, you know, put us down and said you can't play here. But now it's a different. It's a different tune, so we're de- we're taking advantage of that and trying to play as many places as we can. And you're attributing this to the kind of following you've got now. Um, yeah, and, and, and just being a band, period. Like when we reached out to them over the summer, we played one gig before, so it was hard to hard to give them experience or give them examples of what we sounded like. But yeah, it's, it's different when we played twelve, fifteen shows. Yeah, and uh, before uh, I let you play your last song, tell us a little bit more about this record. You said you you've, you keep going to the studios on the weekend. When should we expect that album to come out? So we should expect a single in the next month um, that we're listening to right now. It's sounding good, and so I think we're almost ready to put it out. And then uh, as far as the album, we'd like to get it out latest in the spring. You know, that's if that's like the latest possible time is the spring, but hopefully this winter. It's, it's in the air. Yeah, maybe by the <laughs> maybe at the end of the year, I don't know. Like yeah. springtime's good for an album release, and you got then you got the spring and summer to kind of showcase it. Yeah. Whereas in the winter, you know, it's hard to get people out to gigs in the winter. Yeah. It's yeah. cold. There's lots of snow on the ground. You guys all know you've been here for a few years. Um, any name for the for the album yet, or is that still a TBD? Well, we have we have a name that we've been shooting around the, the Together We Fly album, um, which you talked about, but I don't know if that's gonna stick. We have, a, we have a few names that we've been tossing around. Yeah. Is this what you've, you've agreed on? Yeah. yeah. Is this going to get decided democratically as well? You guys are going to, all going to, uh, you know, put oh, put a vote yeah, in for something? Th- Throwing out two cents. I'm seeing looks around right now. I think some lobbying going around between <laughs> uh, the keyboardist and the drummer. Um, all right. Well, we've got time for about one more song. So, what have you got to close out with? Uh, this one's called "Tired of Loving You." All right. <laughs> Your mic's farting.
Guys, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Not at all. Uh, well, you join us next week when we got Nick Tariq of Western Terrestrials. He'll be coming into the studio to play some of his stuff. But for now, this is all we've got. It's been 105.9 The Radiator, The Rocket Shop. I've been your host, Tom Proctor, and good night.